now that we're adults, I think we tend to make certain decisions our parents necessarily aren't completely comfortable with. But it's hard to draw the line between whether our parents are the ones by themselves uncomfortable with a certain decision that we make or they are uncomfortable because society puts a certain expectation and pressure on them. guys, welcome back to Two Suitcases. This is a show where we unpack immigration stories and explore complex topics that transcend borders and culture. I am Raksha Rajagopalan. And I am Bharat Madras Natarajan. Hey folks, welcome back. In the last episode, we tried to think about how our childhood in Zambia was. Where we ended that conversation was talking about our communities. This really got Raksha and I thinking about how we function as immigrants outside of particularly India, particularly how our Indian communities are set up. You know, some of the issues that we have, some of the ways our families have had to adapt to fit into some of these communities. In today's conversation, we are basically going to pull at that thread a little bit more. You know, we all are aware of how our Desi communities are. For our listeners that aren't part of the the Desi diaspora, our apologies, you may find that maybe some of these conversations and some of these points may be similar in, in, in your communities too. Um, and we suspect that it is because I think a lot of it is tied into us finding a home outside of home. And because of that, we try to fit into different groups. So we wanted to have this conversation. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about this. I think we're going to maybe shake up things a little bit, maybe <laughs> spill some tea. Drama, Dra- drama. Drama. But I think it's, uh, Brett, you know, you said it perfectly, right? Talking about this is something that I haven't really done with our community or my friends mm. or had this kind of conversation because we all might be thinking it, but no one is saying it. And it's granted, it's hard to have this conversation and it's necessary at the same time. So let's go straight into it. The, the first, I guess, bucket of topics we wanted to talk about is boundaries within our immigrant communities. We come from societies where when we emigrate to a place, we tend to gravitate towards our own ethnic communities that we find in, in wherever we go. And we try to fit in and adapt to the values of these communities that we find. The folks we find also weirdly become like family, mm-hmm. right? Because of that, a lot of those boundaries that would exist in any other normal society tend to get a little bit more blurry. Friends start to behave like family, and a lot of times, as they should, because that is the fa- those are the people that we make family out of when we move to a different place. But that also means that we're in this weird place where if our family comes from a certain outlook of the world Mm -hmm. and with certain values and we interact with another group of people that we find in wherever we go and they come from a different place in terms of an outlook of the world we are forced into the same place together and we talked about this in the last conversation right right? as immigrants in in as indian immigrants in africa our families and ourselves in the school environment we were caught in this place where if you're lucked out (laughs) having people that you clicked with 
having people with the same types of outlook and values as you, that was amazing. But at the same time, we also had people and we also had friends that we know that really didn't luck out that way. They had very toxic relationships. They were kind of stuck with the people that they found, whether it's in a school environment or a community as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, there's a saying, right? Uh, You don't choose your family, but you choose your friends. But as immigrants, I think it's more you only have those friends that are around you that become family. And sometimes there is an overstep or there's overstepping by that friend. So it's like weird dynamic of they're my friend, but they're not my family. But am I okay with them butting their nose in my family's business? Yeah. And, And to get specific, that is the issue, right? When you have folks in your community who feel the need to provide advice or their opinions on how you live your life, unsolicited advice. And a lot of times it can come from a good place. Although it can come from a good place, the way it's communicated is also important. Right? In a lot of our immigrant communities, we don't know how to say, hey, I don't understand this. In fact, I, I think I disagree with this position, but if you're doing it, I want to prioritize your happiness in this situation, that doesn't tend to happen as much for some reason. It tends to be more of a a communal agreement. It tends to be more of a, I want to share my opinion, whether Mm. it's constructive or not. People feel that they can provide any kind of advice or any kind of opinion, and they are going to assume that the person that they're providing all of this to is not going to be offended. Not just not going to be offended, but that they are expected then to take that opinion and to use that opinion, right? They expect mm-hmm. you to change their behavior to fit with that opinion. It's difficult because, you know, in, in the conversation we had with my mom, she comes from a very open-minded liberal family. Right. Right. And as much as in our family situation, my dad's side of the family is a lot more traditional. I, I think we also know families that we grew up with where both the parents are maybe a little bit more liberal and they decided to raise their kids in a certain way. At the same time, you could hear the kind of, gossip is a very negative word, but you hear the kind of conversation that goes around in our society. Through the grapevine? Through the, <laughs> exactly, through the grapevine of how these parents raise their kids and why it's not right how they're raising their kids. These come from people that you care about, right? These come from people that you love and these are like your family. But again, because you maybe come from very different familial values in wherever your home was, by by virtue of just being in the same place, you are going to want to spend more time together because you're from the same ethnic group. And because of that, you have to kind of be take, okay with that. Take that hit. Exactly. And I think even if you had a liberal viewpoint, mm. you could have a liberal viewpoint only in your house. But in order to want to fit in with the people, the groups of people that are, you are now affiliated with, yeah. then you tend to, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of where you want to feel like you belong. And how do you feel that you belong? That when all of you are in agreement to every thoughts that you have and all of you are perfectly aligned in every viewpoint. That's anyways how I grew up or understood the adults to kind of work around with each other. Mm-hmm. I think it's different now for us, for sure. You know, that's where your parent could have been very liberal in their house and allowed you to do certain things. But the minute somebody identif- uh, points that out to them, they, not, they now question their way of you know, how they're bringing their child up. The initial decision of how they wanted to raise their kid. Right. Exactly. And I think parents, and maybe we're using the example of parents in this particular situation. 
I think parents tend to probably have that the hardest, right? Because you want to raise your kids in a certain way. You want them to be happy. But there's also this equally genuine value or sentiment of wanting to fit in and stay in good terms with the people that are around you that is also like family. Mm-hmm. And that becomes really difficult. Us growing up, now that we're adults, I think we tend to make certain decisions our parents necessarily aren't completely comfortable with. But it's hard to draw the line between whether our parents are the ones by themselves uncomfortable with a certain decision mm-hmm. that we make or they are uncomfortable because society puts a certain expectation and pressure on them. Because as Indians, yeah. we know that the way <laughs> your kids' success speaks so much about who you are as a person. Isn't that so sad? That is really... That, it's not just... It's not <sighs> sad. It's just a value that I think it's very different than what we have. Right? right? Like, oh my if, my kid, if my kid messes up, I don't necessarily think that the, my friends around me are going to put that much pressure on me to make me feel bad. My kid isn't living a certain life that my friends envisioned. Right, your kid is not doing five sports and 10 art forms. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Your kid is a normal kid. Yeah. And And that is okay. And you should love the kid for the way they are. But I've noticed in our society, at least growing up in Zambia for us, you know, it's more, oh, you're going to dance class, but that kid dances better. Why can't you try Mm. to be better? Why? Mm. Yeah. Maybe I'm not good at dancing. Yeah. You know, why can't that be okay? Yeah, this kind of culture of, of pitting folks against each other We'll come back to that. Also, more importantly, if you don't pit your kids against other kids, somehow that speaks negatively of you as a parent, mm-hmm. you know? And I'll give you one example of something that I have gone through as an adult in my mid-20s is, quote-unquote, coming out to my parents, being in an interracial relationship. <laughs> it was a really stressful time. And honestly, I think there's a lot of uncles and aunties and family members who are listening to this episode who are aware that I'm in an interracial relationship. There was never really a moment of like me having to explain it to anyone because I didn't feel like I need to explain my life to someone else. But it was difficult to understand the struggle that my parents had to go through in order to accept my relationship for what it is. I want to spend a whole episode talking about interracial relationships. The the issue I want to point out over here is I eventually found myself in a situation or I eventually put my parents in a situation where they are dealing with two genuine emotions and instincts. On one hand, it's the instinct and the emotion of looking at your child, being happy with the decision that they've made, being completely at ease with who they are. And being happy about that, Mm -hmm. that being in contrast to the other genuine sentiment of what are the people that I have made my family over the last 20 plus years going to think about my son's decision for his life? Because we all know that being in an interracial relationship isn't what we think about when we look at Indian kids in the diaspora or Indian kids in general. We don't you didn't check all the boxes. That, it's not just <laughs> that you didn't check the box. You scrapped that piece of paper that box was in and completely threw it in the bin. So that was difficult for me to see my parents going through that. But at the same time, it's not as simple as that, right? Because our parents are in this environment where that is okay. That is okay for us to speak up when we feel like someone else's child is making a decision that may not be the best, or at least from our perspective, is not the best, 
right? Some families are better at keeping those opinions to themselves, which like, honestly, I don't mind if anyone has any opinion about me or you mm-hmm. and isn't telling me that because it's not my business. Right. And it is, it's difficult to not have an opinion about certain things. The problem in our communities isn't that. The problem is people will come and tell you what their opinion is, unabashedly what their opinion is. They don't care what kind of an impact that has on you. And this could be interracial relationships. This could be bisexuality. This could be, you know, being queer. This could be even just simple dating. Correct. Right. Which I know you and Rahul kind of had to hide that for a long time, too. And then coming out. Ooh, this is a taboo. Even if the parents are okay with it, even if everyone accepts it. It's just our parents are so worried about understandably so because that's a society they are part of. Yeah. Are other people going to abandon me? Because Mm. you are so invested into feeling like you belong in the society. If you truly belonged, then there should be no opinions or no judgment that they should pass on what your child did. And that should not reflect on how you brought up that child. Somehow, we have that kind of feeling. Our society makes us feel that way. Nobody can make you feel anyway, but you know. You know, you feel... But they kind of can. They kind of can, yeah. (laughs) But you kind of end up feeling that, oh my God, because of your mistake or because of what you did that's not socially acceptable, I'm going to be abandoned. Yeah, I think that is a legitimate fear in our communities. You know, you mentioned earlier that society shouldn't function that way, but that's kind of how society does function, right? We have to adhere to a certain set of rules or values that are shared. And if we accept that, then we are accepted into that society, right? For us two in particular, us who have kind of a second generation emigrated out of that society, there's been a lot of ways that we have had to adapt to this new society that we've entered. A lot of values and rules that we have had to adapt to, a lot of maybe even toxic traits that we have had to unlearn. And I've noticed that there are a lot of my views that were formed after I left the society of being an Indian in Zambia, not in any kind of negative way, maybe it is in some kind, uh, some type of negative way, the distance and the proximity away from that situation and having to adapt over here kind of showed me some of the things that I had to unlearn and how like my own, my own, I guess, perspective of the world changed from that society that I came from. Mm -hmm. And I was going to add, Barth, you probably also had the liberty to be to unlearn it because I was thinking to myself imagine if I signed up to be part of a Tamil association here yeah I feel like the dynamic probably would be the same as it is for our parents maybe but we're so here we're separated ourselves and we have the choice to make the friends we want and the life we lead and it's so individualistic that we're not yet part of that community at large that we haven't we don't have children or yep, we don't yep. have any of that to kind of feel like we're part of a community that could pass some judgments that's true i think i like how you frame the two kind of mindsets of this individualistic perspective and outlook of the world and how you fit into society and this more i guess communal experience of, mm-hmm. of fitting into a society maybe part of that is also because we have come to the u.s much younger than our parents were when they moved to, let's say, Zambia. That's a good point. Right. We came to this country as entering our young adulthood 
In our teens, man. In our, our teens, late teens. Coming into college. And so a lot of this experience might also just be the experience of coming of age and going to college where naturally you're going to experience different people. At least hopefully mm-hmm. you would think that most colleges around the world would have a higher level of diversity than the, than the pockets in, in, the, in the areas and the cities that, that those universities and colleges are set in. So I am wary of asking myself, is this just us coming of age? So we were able to be given certain benefits that maybe our parents didn't because they came of age in one place and then they were full-blown adults in one place. And then with those values, they decided to move. Whereas with us, we moved while we were still forming our outlook of the world. So maybe it's easier for us to say, hey, you know what? I have to adapt to be a bit more individualistic when I come to the U.S. And I actually have the opportunity to be able to do that because maybe the whole communal experience isn't working out for me. And also, I don't owe it to anybody here because yeah. you still haven't formed any ties. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's You have a new start. You have a fresh start and right. you can set the tone of what you want. Right. And maybe we didn't want what we had. Mm-hmm. Especially me, I think it was, you know, I've gone through being pitted against friends and, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like if you don't do, I mentioned it before too, if you're not studying a certain subject or doing certain things or not doing 10 art forms or, you know, when you come to college, it's freeing yeah, because you can now do what you want to do. You know, you are making the choice for you and you're not answerable to anyone except for your dad who's paying your tuition. <laughs> But even then, after a certain point, you push back because that's your parent and you can yeah. talk about certain things with them. And like, you, it's, there's a bit more comfort there than pushing back to another uncle that is even maybe even in the family. I agree. And I, I know, Barth, we've talked about this so much. Now that we're here, it's easy for us to push back with our parents. Mm. I feel I have more arguments and disagreement with my parents because we are unlearning together. That this is not okay and I don't agree with your viewpoint on certain things is an okay conversation to have. But it's difficult. (laughs) Oh, it's uncomfortable. It it gets so uncomfortable once you open that door because there's this realization that there's more than just a generational gap between us and our parents, right? There's a huge cultural gap as well. It's difficult because my outlook on the world is very different from my parents' outlook on the world. Heck, it's very different from you and and my brother's outlook on the world just being three years apart. I think we are fortunate enough to be able to have those types of conversations with our parents, but that doesn't make it any, any more easy, right? Those are still difficult conversations to have. And a lot of third culture kids and immigrant kids may feel that way, may feel boxed in, to a certain version of themselves when they are interacting with their families and their quote-unquote ethnic societies. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what the solution to that is. All I know is that it does exist and we do need to talk about it a bit more. You know, Bharat, we've talked about this and I know that you made a conscious decision on the people that you want to associate yourself with as soon as you entered college. I didn't consciously do that as much as you did. I just made friends who I could relate to easily and went with it. And even if sometimes I felt boxed in a certain way, I kind of rolled with the punches and some ways just was okay with a lot of things. But I know you were, you were very conscious on who am I going to associate myself with, you know, the next four years of my time in Madison. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, one of those things I had to make a decision on early. And I really don't know how I did because I was so young, mm-hmm. right? But I do remember coming to the U.S. and feeling like, you know, there are so many examples of friends back home who, 
you're friends with people, but you don't really have the best opinions of the people that you are friends with. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes to this this kind of circumstance where you are just stuck with the people of your age group and of your cultural ethnic background that you kind of have to interact with. And so that kind of a toxic environment, I saw it in a lot of my peers. By peers, I mean like folks in our Indian yeah. Zambian community who are like maybe a year or two younger and older than us. And you see their friends group being very toxic in that sense. Coming to college, I was just conscious that I didn't want to be stuck in a position where I had to make friends with certain people because I didn't want to be lonely. Mm-hmm. Right? And, yeah, and that's a I good point. I think a lot of ma- a lot of people make that decision, which is very valid. Mm-hmm. Right? You kind of make that trade off between companionship and sharing your same like culture and sharing your same traditions versus actually having a mature adult healthy friendship with right um, i think you did it much younger than you know many of us would do i think yeah. as i grew older the people that i choose myself to associate with are more similar or aligned to mm-hmm. me as a person yeah being in a good healthy relationship definitely was something that when i look back i'm glad i had it because i didn't feel as lonely as i should have felt in that situation i didn't feel as lonely as a lot of people do when they come to college particularly us immigrant kids mm-hmm. international students come to college and you know nobody man you know nobody and you're kind of stuck in the same situation where okay there's here's another like 20 indian kids and that's all the pool of folks i have in terms of making yeah. friends you know it's again it's that same cycle of being stuck with what our parents did yeah what our parents were stuck with and hey don't get me wrong a lot of the uncles and aunties in zambia I love them to death. They are like my own uncles and aunties. Yeah. Right? And I care about them. And they care about them. us. And they care about us. Yeah, we're like we are like their kids. And they're so they, kind and so welcoming and so warm all the time. But this is just a general viewpoint. But, but this is this is you know in the same way that we push back against our parents. It's those same issues that are throughout the society as well. You know, we have difficult conversations with our parents, and these are the same conversations we would have with some of these uncles and aunties too. I think ultimately what it is, Bharat, I think it is why are we living our life for someone else to approve the way we are living? Obviously, acceptance and self-acceptance that's going to take a long time. Growing up in an environment where we're constantly trying to please the people that are around us yeah kind of gets like ingrained in you from a young age you're conditioned to be this way and that's true to unlearn that is going to take years not only for us everybody in our society i think anybody even if you're not indian i think anyone can relate to that yeah and once you attain that peacefulness of living your life for yourself okay you've made it come let, let me know what you did but you've <laughs> made it and i feel like maybe you never really get to that point because it's it's That's a lifelong life. process of unlearning certain things that was going to be my next question to you is what do you think some of these toxic traits were that we had to unlearn or that you felt like you had to unlearn having had the opportunity to be able to come out of india zambia and and coming finally to the us. Bro, that's a really good question, man. I think something that I really I've been working on for myself is being happy for someone. Growing up in an environment that I did, constantly being pitted against your peers or constantly mm. saying, "Oh, you know that kid is doing 
so much better at music and you are the same age as that person and why are you not able to do it? Or, you know, or hearing that you're never good enough because there's five other kids your age that have reached or, you know, won awards and things like that. And you're always feeling, you're doubting yourself. So it's mm. very difficult for you to be happy for somebody else because, damn, like I have not accomplished anything. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at a position where I can be happy for someone's accomplishment and truly be happy for them. Yes, is, it, is that a work in progress? And is it going to take many, many, many years before you feel the true happiness? Yeah. But is that something I'm consciously always, you know, telling myself, don't question it. Yeah. What about you, Barth? What are you, what is something that you're trying to unlearn? I think you brought up a really good point. This attitude or characteristic of our particularly Indian communities, and I know this happens in some African communities too, um, particularly those communities that value, in a good way, education above everything else, and this mentality of eat or get eaten. I think, I, I don't know how much of that is an immigrant mentality and how much of that is just what what things we value as a society. This characteristic of pitting people against each other and particularly kids against each other, that really stays with you for a long time. And that really has certain a certain impact on your outlook for the rest of your life. And not to say that a lot of these these communities want that to be want that to have a detrimental impact on you. It's just in wanting to achieve the best, in wanting to reach your fullest potential, in wanting to fit into the model minority myth, our communities tend to focus on success more than happiness. Yeah. That's something that I've been trying to learn is genuinely being happy for people. Mm -hmm. And I won't, I won't lie, it's, it, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard, man. Like, it's difficult to see someone else's success on, I don't know, you know, social media folks are always... I was just going to say, social media is also kind of... I think anyone can relate. Social media yeah. has kind of changed the way we look at things, you know? Right, right. And it's maybe amplified this issue more so that people obviously don't post their their tragedies and their sob stories or their difficulties and challenges on social media, right? They, if, if they do on any level, it's usually after they've overcome the challenges and after they've reached a certain level of happiness or success. Very true. But more particularly with, with our communities, for me, it, it had been hard to look at other Indians, mm -hmm. particularly, reach a certain level of success or a certain level of of happiness in their lives without the first instinct being, ooh, why them? Mm. Or, mm, what happened? <laughs> and hey, I'm going to be as honest with, with all of y'all. That is, that is a real emotion that is the first thing that comes into mind. Now, this is general, folks. With my own friends, I've made peace with being happy for my own friends. But they are, whenever I see other Indians reach a certain level of success, my first emotion or my first thought is always, oh, a certain sense of jealousy or a certain sense of they have one-upped me, right? We, mean, we are not even in the same game. There's no competition in reality. I was just going to ask you, do you feel that way because you think that they're your peers or this is just an Indian versus an Indian? For me personally, I think it's an Indian versus an Indian. Mm -hmm. Like this person could be doing law, they could be doing something in the arts, they can be doing, like they could be completely unrelated to my own background and skills and ambitions. Mm -hmm. But because they're Indian, the first instinct is always going to be, 
oh, they have achieved something. Why have I not done that? Ah, interesting. Because I think I have something for me more. It's maybe peer versus peer. I and think I, can, if, I can understand that too yeah. because there they are other non other engineers, let's say, who are <laughs> yeah. non-Indian, yeah. who I can look at and be like, damn, bro, we went to school together. Now you're competing with me. But like that for me tends to be a bit more of a healthier competition. Mm. It's like I can embrace the the healthy competition, the healthy competitive side of of that relationship. But for some reason, whenever it's a brown person, it is, man, it is difficult to just the first instinct to be, to support them or be happy for them. And this is something that I'm actively trying to unlearn. And right. me being able to talk about it is just, it's just part of the process too. We see this in, in other folks too. It's, I think as a community, one of my experiences, and when we've talked about this, Raksha, is when someone does something that is a new venture or something that is unique or something that is, you know, something that we haven't thought about, but it's, they are happy to be on that journey. It's difficult for us to look at that and immediately support them. Mm -hmm. But if it's a, a white American or an African buddy, like whoever it is, like anyone else that's not Indian, it's 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 so much easier to be like, damn, they are killing it. Like, yeah. support, support, support. That That's what I find really difficult because I feel I've completely removed myself from there and I'm able to fully be excited for everyone. And mm. we've talked about this yeah. so much, Barth, where yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're doing a new venture. That's pretty cool. And like really wanting to support them. Right. But not everybody feels that way, you know? And, and I'll, be, I I'll yeah. be very honest with you. I am one of those people. Who, yeah, like, I was telling you, I was like, reaction, you cannot be that person. No, and, I, and I, I absolutely cannot. And like, we need to keep calling that out. I think it, it just speaks more to the bigger problem in our Desi immigrant communities of the remnants of pitting us against each other from a young age, the remnants of you having to, or you needing to one-up the next child in order for you to be looked at as successful or happy yeah. or whatever that, that positive so sad. result is. In summary, that is one of those things that I am very conscious about and I'm very consciously trying to unlearn, but also realizing that I'm not alone in it. You know, I think I've spoken to a lot of friends about it too, and a lot of them are in that part of far enough along in their journey that they can speak openly about feeling a certain type of way that they really don't, they're really uncomfortable feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Another trait that I, I was kind of conscious about in the beginning, and I think it kind of goes along similar lines too, is training yourself not to have an opinion about other people who are not in your life. When I came to college... Slow claps. <laughs> <laughs> when I came to college... There were obviously other kids our age who also came to college, but you know you kind of lose you kind of lose contact with a few folks, mm -hmm. and these these folks get tend to go to different colleges, different towns, different countries. In Zambia, you growing up, you felt like because you were kind of not pitted against each other, but still that culture of being competitive and wanting to show that you are as good as the next kid. That kind of forced you to keep tabs on that that person's life yeah, by like, way, what are they up to by the way that by when i say that person this is your friend this is your friend that you are hanging out with going to let's say tabla classes with yeah. going to Parnachim classes with these are people that you love and care about once i left for college i kind of lost touch with a lot of those folks that kind of distance maybe does make that relationship a little bit healthy in a lot of cases particularly for me when that happened when when i came to college 
I realized that I didn't need to know what was happening with with those different people. I kind of just lost touch with them. I also was very conscious of not having an opinion if something happened to that person. Right, if something great happened to that person, I genuinely that was one of the few times that like you're happy for them. I'd be like, "Wow, okay, this dude got a job somewhere that that is really amazing. Wow, okay, that's that's really cool. I've spoken to him in 3 years, but that's amazing." Mm-hmm. Or, oh, this person got into an accident. Shoot, I that that's terrible. Like I really fa- feel bad for them. I'll reach out and see if they're doing okay. Right? It might be after after a couple of years of not having spoken to that person, but I genuinely got to a, to a place where I didn't need to have an opinion about people that were no longer in my life. Yeah. Right. An argument could be made that I probably shouldn't have an opinion opinion about people who are in my life. But imagine being pitted against this person for years on end. Right. You know. You naturally see a person as, oh, this is my peer, this is my age group. Yeah, that's I think probably the second thing I had to unlearn is not passing judgment on people that I one I have no business passing judgment on and like they're just not in my life. No, and we don't want to become like those aunties and uncles, you know, yep. that we are they're keeping tabs on people. I think we do know that there are a lot of aunties and uncles who keep tabs on what their kids and other people's kids are doing. It can be a really weird, endearing yet problematic mm-hmm. I don't know, characteristic. Yeah. But it does happen. We know we we know stories that go from here all the way back to Lusaka and we're just oh, like our parents true. then call us and be like hey did this happen this absolutely I'll, I'll just be like how did my mom know about that and now why <laughs> is she mad at me yeah. because this is my personal information so that actually takes me to my next question for you i think we were talking about this we kind of brainstormed this a little bit when we were talking about our previous episode we thought maybe it fit better in in this context Raksha, <laughs> imagine it is the year 2025. You have two beautiful kids. I have two beautiful nephews and nieces. And you guys decide to move back to Zambia. How do you think that would play out? Man, going back to Zambia. I always tell Rahul cuz he really wants to go back all mm. the time. Man, you're you're dreaming about the place that isn't what you think it is. Yeah. and it's not going to be the same thing that you left back when you were 18 years old. Yeah. It's going to be difficult because you are you think about it, I'm going to go back to the society that my parents have created, the friendships and the dynamics, dynamics mm. that I grew up seeing and being a part of. And if I go back and I don't maintain these dynamics and I start my own, I wonder, I don't know the answer to this. I wonder how that would be. Would I be kind of shamed in the society for not being a part of, you know, what was created many, many years ago or can I freely be myself and the lifestyle that I'm living over here there with a new set of friends? I think it's going to be difficult. I think mm-hmm. it's not going to be this amazing fantasy of that it's going to be all easy and everything is set up. Yeah, it's going to be great because you will have family and friends that are going to be there as a support system if in times of need. But I think I think well, I'm wondering even with my own parents because I am not who I was when I was 18 when I left home. I am yep. I, I am an adult. How is that relationship going to be with my parents? Are they still going to view me as their child and 
have uh, opinions and advice all the time and which is okay they mean well am i going to be able to break out of the environment that i grew up in and create my own i don't i don't i really don't know how it would be what about you what do you think i think those are fair points that you bring up and i was kind of thinking along the same lines too and i only asked this question because like you said my brother your husband rahul has been thinking about any opportunity to move back to zambia honestly for the long time ta- for the longest time i have as well the three of us have had multiple conversations about man like what can we do to move back to zambia right because at the end of the day that's still home to us mm-hmm. right but when i like you mentioned when we think about the kind of society that we grew up in the kind of society that was almost built for us by our parents and and the folks that care about us in zambia it's very different from how we would want to set up our lives right the kinds of relationships that we'd want to have the kinds of dynamics that we'd want to have with the people we love interests too and interests yeah interests values whatever 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 cultural aspects you want to bring up it's very difficult because we are just not on the same page as god not even our parents <laughs> right like we yeah. forget forget going back to zambia and living in that society imagine going back to zambia and living with your parents not in maybe not even in the same house but like in the same town man that is going to be so stressful because over here it sounds really nice it's nice when like to some extent but we do have to acknowledge that it would like we miss our parents right we have spent so much of our lives away from our parents that any time together is a blessing right i never i never want to discount that yeah but the way they the way they have set up their lives and the way they have set up the community that they live in is very different from the way that I would want to set up the community that I want to live in right when i move if i move back when i move back to zambia <laughs> if i move back to zambia i don't think my my support system my society my community would just be even primarily indians it's going to be the people in the indian community in the zambian community in the expat community whoever it is it's going to be people that i genuinely feel excited to have in my social circle. Yeah. I genuinely feel like add value and perspective to my social circle. Um you're not making relationships now just because they're part of that immigrant society. You're making Yeah. relationships with people that you know, you click with yep. on a deeper level. And that's a privilege that we have as mm. third culture kids that i don't think first generation immigrants ever have had. right especially those that move well into their adulthood you know Very i can't I, i can't speak for the folks that moved when they were younger maybe you know our friends indian quote unquote indian american friends in the us whose mm-hmm. parents moved here for college and what not they probably have a very different experience just because similar to us they moved when they were in their teenagers they moved here for college they moved here when they were young enough for their perspectives of the world to change a little bit so in summary basically i think life would be fairly different from what i would have imagined moving back to zambia would have been like there these things that i think we have to kind of think through before we can make any decision to move back to zambia and another thing I, that popped in my my head while you were talking is that man we've also lived so long without any obligations to anybody no obligations to anybody yep I think we are also lucky. I think there are people that grew up here, have family here and 
you know, relatives here that they have obligations. I think we're lucky because we are solo. We have that distance between the rest of the family and, yeah. and us. So that'll be a really interesting shift of going back and... Because I've heard my friends saying, oh, I have to split my time between my in-laws and my parents. I don't know how to do that because mm. I never had to do that, mm. you know? Or I've heard... That's, friends, that's so weird because I can imagine you saying that. Because I know what the, <laughs> what the pressures are like to mm-hmm. you being a married woman especially is feeling that allegiance in a sense or commitment to both the families and yeah. feeling like you have to fill a certain role and fill certain responsibilities that you are held to. And be respectful to both parties because right. one party could be offended that I'm not spending enough time with them. That could be my parents yep. or the other could be my in-laws would love to spend more time with me and I'm not spending enough time with them. Yeah. It's, so we don't, you know, we're lucky, man. Yep. We don't have to make these choices. And I will also say I am lucky that I'm a guy because there's Aww. a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of these as a married woman. Mm-hmm. I just know that there's a lot of pressures that you face, not even from, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm just, from my, from my assumption, it's not even from your in-law side. It's more so your family who it, feels this pressure of, oh, Raksha needs to do certain things yeah. that otherwise the in-laws will yeah. feel disrespected yeah. or we want to make sure she does certain things. And I think it's the same thing with Natasha's family too. Even though it's a Zambian family, there's still this sentiment that as a woman, you need to do certain things in order to please your in-laws. Mm-hmm. You need to do certain things in order to be respectful to your in-laws. And I'll be honest with you, man, like I haven't had a single conversation with my parents about that in terms of Natasha's side. And I don't think Rahul has either. I don't think so. Right. And there's just not that expectation. So on top of all of these other third culture issues, you were caught in the middle of family cultures too and family dynamics and having to balance those things out. I also don't want to go back, you know, where I grew up, where people had come and tell you, hey oh, you looks like you gained some weight and just kind of like random ass comments that I haven't heard in a long, long time. I think, you know what? Do you what? think people would still do that though as a married adult? You know what? I think that is just so kind of them. What are you talking about? <laughs> At least they didn't come to you and say, oh, you've become fat. Is that what they told you? Bro, they dropped the F-bomb like, what? Like, <laughs> it is crazy how comfortable uncles are to come and tell you, huh, Bharat, you become fat, huh? Oh. It's like, damn, bro. That's kind of like... How do I even respond to that? Oh, God. As a, as a kid, it's traumatizing. I think I used to think about my weight every time I stepped on the plane yeah. from Chicago, man. Yeah, and this is this is two fat Indian kids talking. Like, <laughs> exactly. hey, man, like, damn, back up, uncle. I know. And uh, that's that's something that popped in my head. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I, don't, I, I, would, I would hope that... They would have more boundaries and wouldn't tell me that. But who knows? You would have hoped those boundaries would exist when we were kids too. But they didn't. Because these Um, things really traumatize kids. Yeah. We have been wanting to do an episode on body Uh issues and weight in general. Can't wait. Um, And I think me and you have maybe different perspectives on that particular topic. As, As big Indian kids... Um, we've had experiences being exactly that in our Indian communities and that's had an impact on, on us. And, you know, that's, there's a lot to unpack there and and we should at some point. I'm excited for that. With that folks, thanks a lot for listening. This was a particularly interesting conversation for us because there's a lot of these threads that we kept pulling at as we were having this conversation And we're hoping that this is a conversation that a lot of folks can relate to because 
a lot of the folks in our circles who are third culture kids kind of came to the West or went to other countries when they were in their teenage years as well, when they went for college. Mm-hmm. And so we suspect these are a lot of the similar types of emotions that, that third culture kids away from home feel. And we hope that this was an interesting conversation at the very least. So thanks a lot for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you were able to take away something from our conversation. Please follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Two Suitcases Pod. Feel free to leave feedback, ask questions, or even suggest topics for future episodes. Look out for the next episode on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. Thanks for unpacking with us.